Hi, I'm Matthew, and um, tonight we'll be acknowledging the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on. I'm recording in the Turrbal Yagara people of Brisbane, and the Freak is recording from the Drug Nation in Penrith. And welcome everyone to episode 212 of Fergo and the Freak. I am joined by Matthew, who has been a long-time follower of me on Twitter. We've played a little bit of Destiny 2 together on the Xbox, and it was, it's cool to get you on for to give a wrap-up of Indigenous Round that we've just had in the NRL. Yeah, thanks for having me. And um, I think it was I used to carry you through raids and <laughs> Destiny, yeah. What was the raid we did? Was it the... Uh... Vault of Glass. Oh, was it Vault of Glass? Yeah, because I'm pretty sure I got uh, Atheon's epilogue first time through. Whoa. Or was it the we, Vex? Uh, do, you, do you remember, Was were you on, because I did the Vault of Glass a couple of times, because remember you could glitch it? Oh, I, we did it after they fixed that glitch. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, because they, they, there was a point where I was doing lots of raids, and then I become a casual after that, a dirty casual, and then... Uh, because I was around, I used to jump on and help people glitch it. But in saying that, I used to stand in the right place and not move. Like, I wasn't doing anything special. Um, but, yeah. And, and I feel like we did there. Was there, like, a King something that we did together? I think oh, I think we might have done Kingsfall a couple. Yeah. Yeah, we did Kingsfall because you were the only person I played with at the time. Okay, yeah. That was playing Taken King. Yeah, yeah, and because Kings for one, I was useless on. I, I really was. I was a passenger for the whole thing. It, that platforming. Yeah, it was. It was too complicated for me to like for a game that I wanted to enjoy. It was like you got to stand here and wait for this plat. And it's like I'm out, man. Just tell me where to stand. <laughs> and yeah, I can't. I can't believe that you're up to episode two twelve already. Yeah, we. Well, we've. I mean, we must do an episode on average every probably four. We do about two episodes every four days. I think it ends up being something oh, like wow. that. Yeah, that's a yeah. lot of work. Yeah, well, luckily it's just it's like this. It's like talking about footy or stuff we enjoy. Like last <laughs> last night's episode, you might be able to help us with this. We questioned whether there would be any an indigenous word in any dialect that would be for cheese right but we were thinking there wouldn't be because like what would you milk to make cheese in australia like there's just nothing like that and so and, we, uh, we, we should probably preface this by saying that i am an indigenous person yeah <laughs> from the gimbalari and mythica countries so yeah. um, i don't know can can you milk camels uh, I think you can, yeah. Because camels are indigenous to Australia. Because well, we went, we were talking about, like, can you milk a marsupial? <laughs> we, we, we talked about it for too long last night. It was ridiculous. But well, uh, How would you hold down a kangaroo first? Yeah. Catch me going near it to fucking try to milk it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, well, yeah. We were talking about, like, a, milking a wombat and how you get all scratched up. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez and so that's yeah that's how we do that many episodes we talk about silly shit <laughs> <laughs> oh shit anyway okay so we we just had the nrl's indigenous round um i talked it was talking to you before the podcast about like we hear a lot of opinions from people in the media about what it means to them what does indigenous round me to you as an indigenous person and somebody that's not an indigenous person in the media um yeah so rugby league is a sport i've loved it's the first sport i can ever remember uh watching closely followed by uh wrestling mm -hmm. um as a kid growing up and growing up in small towns in uh queensland you live and breathe rugby league mm -hmm. um and it's it's gone from a place where you know it's just footy. It's now in a place where now it's it's a lifestyle being a footy fan, mm -hmm. and being able to see such a massive corporation as footy is now. It's a corporation, yeah, 
spend time to help promote and share Indigenous culture with its audience. It doesn't need to do that. Mm-hmm. No one is expecting them to do that, but they're doing it because it's the right thing to do. And seeing a sport I love engage their Indigenous players and 15 of the teams have really good designed, um, well-designed footy jerseys. Um, we'll leave the Raiders off the list. <laughs> but it's... And seeing just pe- people openly accepting the the idea that it's it's about promoting Australian culture and heritage a lot of some people aren't remembering that it's a shared culture and a shared history so it's 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 my favorite time of the footy season it's better than the grand final state of origin for me so wow, wow that's cool i i saw uh, yesterday during the it was ahead of the storm game and they had the welcome to country uh ahead of the storm game and i saw you say that's the best one you'd seen uh happen in the nrl i agree i i thought that was amazing the way that that was handled yeah yeah and that's that's absolutely not putting down the others either mm. but it was you know this is this is gubby gubby country up there at sunshine coast mm-hmm. and it's just the way he spoke with such conviction and, you know, this isn't a, a place that's usually on in the spotlight for football mm-hmm. above maybe the Q, uh, Q Cup. And it, you could just tell how excited they were to have the football there and to be able to do that welcome to country. Yeah, and the thing I thought was cool about it, and, and I'm not Indigenous, but the thing I thought was cool about it was that he did. He said something you just said before. How like is not just indigenous history. This is all our history. This is Australian history, and and like everyone's welcome. Just enjoy it. You know, this is what we're here for, and and it's all it's all part of the one history together. And I I just thought that was it was really cool. And as you say, the enthusiasm and the uh, uh, there was something about it. it. It got me as well when I saw it. Yeah, and that's I even. Um... I went back and watched the the Maori game, uh, the Indigenous All Stars versus the Maori game mm-hmm. from this year and last year, mm-hmm. and it's 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 just insane the vibes and the feelings you get from watching that sort of stuff as an Indigenous person. Mm. Do do you think like I remember in the I think it was the two thousand and eight World Cup where the it wasn't the opening game, but it was like a, a curtain raiser to the opening game, and it was the Maori versus the Indigenous team, um, and we saw that awesome face-off. And like as soon as I saw that, I was like, "We've got to have this happen all the time," because it was so like it was so tribal between the the two different nations. And to now see that the All Star Game has kind of taken that mantle. I just think it was the natural progression of what the All-Star Game should have been. And and I think it's finally that the All-Star Game was played around with for a long time stuff. I think it's finally found what it needed to be. What do you reckon? Yeah. um, What I'd like to see is that next uh, progression of that All-Stars Game is... um, And the original Indigenous team in the... um, 2008 was the Dreamtime Warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'd like to see is those other players that are in the NRL that are not Maori or Indigenous be able to form a team, or whether you have like an Australian team and then a uh, New Zealand team made up of non-Indigenous players. Mm-hmm. Like you could even have like your Fijians and stuff like that, Fijian peoples in there as well. Mm-hmm. And have like a mini tournament or something. Yeah. You know, mini round yeah. robin tournament. Uh, yeah, I think something like that, that would be, or like when, say, a, a, the Australian team goes over to Europe, and I know that they're trying to have like the Pacific Island nations play each other very regularly in, in competitions. I'd love to see an, a, an Indigenous team. I keep on going to call it the Aboriginals team. I'm sorry if I do at some point, people. But I, I'd love to see an Indigenous team in that competition. Um, because I, And I think it would make the competition better in terms of, like, the depth of talent. But And I think it would be cool to have, like, an Indigenous team represented in it. But I think it would be cool just to watch it all, you know? I mean, I, I've said before, I... 
I love watching the indigenous players go out there and, and rip in against the Maori. And uh, the more we could see stuff like that, the better, I reckon. <coughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, so I don't know. My my next idea would be, I don't know when the next World Cup is, but to have a team, an indigenous team in the World Cup mm. would be the pinnacle. Yeah, yeah. Because you think about it now, the playing roster that Australia can call on at the moment mm-hmm. for a World Cup, it's bloated. Yeah. There's a lot of talented players in the system at the moment. So if we split, you know, the Indigenous guys can have their team in the World Cup, it gets a lot of that, um, those guys that are waiting mm-hmm. in the, for the Australians team mm-hmm. in through there for their development as well. Mm-hmm. See, I... I feel like the reason they don't do it, and this is just a guess, and it goes back to a cricket tournament they had. It was a, a Four Nations cricket tournament they had in the 90s where they had the Australian team and they brought in Australia A, and everyone got behind Australia A, and they started like going against the Australian team. And I feel as though, it, like if it's the Kangaroos versus an Indigenous team, I'm like... Man, I love to see this indigenous team put one over them. And I feel like they don't want that to happen to the, you know, you don't want to degrade the national team like that and have your your nation turn it against them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But we've sort of already done that with the All-Stars. Yeah. Games. Yeah. So I don't think it's that much of a stretch. Yeah. But, you know, maybe one day. Yeah, well, like it's... Man, I think the more international teams we have, the better. Like, I know the Maori were in the 2000 World Cup, um, and they, they did. did all right, but it was like international rugby league wasn't as strong as it is now. I think, I think an indigenous team would, man, they, I mean, they'd go close to winning it. I reckon. Yeah, well, there's been indigenous teams throughout the history of rugby league mm-hmm. in Australia, um, but yeah, it's. And the, with the international game, the way it is at the moment, mm-hmm. I feel, I don't think another team's really going to hurt. Yeah, I agree. I think it can only strengthen it. Now, um, I, I put out the best 17 Indigenous players I've seen in my lifetime, and you've put together a team of your own, which you haven't told me about it, but if we go through it one by one... Because I I love talking about all of the players that was on my list, and it's like a chance to do that again. That'd be awesome. Yeah, and um, I I didn't know about the caveat about lifetime, but I've yeah. seen highlight reels. Okay, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I look, the only reason I didn't do all time is because I didn't want to leave anyone out that <laughs> like, and because you got to remember, I do a podcast with a bloody rugby league historian, so I didn't want to do the thing and even go like, oh, you know, in the fifties there was this player, and I'd be like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I only I only went back as far as probably st- the original state of origin, so the eighties, so not too okay. far back. Okay, I think I know who's in it. <laughs> All right, well, let's start at fullback. Who do you have as your fullback? Oh, Presto. Preston Campbell. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. I was uh, The NRL put out a um, survey about picking your favourite Indigenous players in um, a position. Yeah. And they had Presto at um, halfback. Mm-hmm. And I knew, because I, he played for the Panthers, right? Yep, he did, and, yeah. And he played a lot of full uh, halfback for the Panthers. He yeah. played a bit of halfback for us. Yeah. That, well, I, I'm a Titan supporter for people that are listening. Um, yeah, uh, you can stop crying now. Um, <laughs> but there's never been a man to me that's defined uh, rugby league as a player. Mm-hmm. It's not the size. It's how much heart you've got to play the game. Mm-hmm. And that's what he is to me. Yeah, and he, like his his footwork was ridiculous. His build was like if you go by how a rugby league players meant to be built, they they're not meant to be built like Preston Campbell. Like it, like he was a slight player and short as well, and none of it mattered because he had the footwork, he had the passing game, he had the he had all the skills, and it was just as you say, he had the heart of a lion like. It was. I still credit him. I think that 
in our halves for the Panthers in 2003. He was our number one playmaker. It wasn't Craig Gower. So, yeah, I, yep. I can't argue against him being as your fullback. Yeah, and he played uh, five rep games. Mm. New South Wales Country, the Dreamtime Indigenous side, and then the Indigenous All-Stars. Mm. So no Australia, no New South Wales for origin mm. or anything like that. Yeah, I think he, I think one of the big problems for Preston at the time was the fact that like there was this weird thing where New South Wales would say, "Oh, you need to be a certain like body shape to play Origin," and meanwhile Queensland are picking just the best players. Doesn't matter if they're big, short, tall. You know, Alan Langer's running out there. They end up picking JT, and New South Wales just wanted dudes that were the size of back rowers across their entire team. It's just dumb. Yeah. Anyway, who are your wingers? Because the wingers were the hardest ones for me. Oh, you're, you're, we're not going to go, who do you pick for? Oh, for like, yeah. Let me pick mine. I'll bring mine up again. Let me see. Have I got it here? Yeah, I got it here. I had my fullback was Greg Inglis. Um, uh. So, yeah, I went, I went Greg Inglis and... Uh, Man, I was thinking about this, this the other day. I think Greg Inglis is in my top 17 of all time. Like, yeah. That, yeah, that's how high I rate him. Yeah, and, like, um, I I have an interchange bench which involves players that are, will be playing out of position yep. if I was the coach. But Greg Inglis, he's one of those people you can't not pick if yeah. you could have anyone. Yeah. So who are your wingers? Um, I've got a recent one, mm-hmm. Josh Adokar. Mm-hmm. Uh, watched him on the weekend and um, watched him in the Indigenous games, and he's just awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Nathan Blacklock. Oh, you know, it, well, I had Josh Adokar and I had Wendell Saylor, but I had Nathan Blacklock on my bench because I uh, like. I've got Wendell on my bench. There you go. <laughs> That's a, then that's the thing. And I, like, I was thinking while I was putting my team together, I was like, oh, I wanted to get Ricky Walford in there, you know. But, it's, I mean, Josh Adokar, I, I've told this story on the podcast a bunch of times. I went to the test match last year against New Zealand, and I've never seen anyone, a human being, run as fast as Josh Adokar in my life. That it's was crazy. Ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah. too fast. He He really is. It's like... It's like you've seen a glitch in the Matrix when he gets to high speed. It's like, oh, something's going wrong here. <laughs> um, for the centres, yep. I had I had Greg Inglis yep. and Steve Renoff. Oh, see, I had I had Mal Meninga and Steve Renoff. Yeah, well, see, not a lot of people know Mal Meninga's not actually Indigenous. Now, I, I've seen this said, right? So... What is what is Mal Meninga? Because I thought he was uh, Torres Strait Islander. No, he's South Sea Islander. Okay, so where would that be? Where was that? Um, they're uh, they're a Pacific island. Okay. So what happened was they're part of the blackbirding. So they were actually slaves brought over yeah. from. Um, they're South, the South Sea Islands, yeah. um, and they were brought over as slaves to work on Australian lands. Yeah. But they, they've they been integrated with the Australian Indigenous population since, okay. like, the 1890s. Wow, I had no idea about any of that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That's, that's, that's why everyone got the shits when the Prime Minister said uh, there's never been a history of slavery in Australia. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I didn't know. I didn't know. Like, I saw people blew up about it. Um, but, wow, I didn't know that. So, so how do they... Okay. See, that's you're teaching me something here. That's really interesting. Wow. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's a... It can, it can... Yeah. If some people can tr- claim, like, track back far enough that you know, there is Indigenous um, ancestry in their um, um, history, 
but yeah. Mal Menig has never claimed it. Okay. He's always um, talked about how his uh, family's South Sea Islander and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Wow, that's really interesting. I had no idea about that at all. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah not a lot of people do. Yeah. Why don't they teach us that in schools? Well, um, what I learnt in Australian history about school is Australian was discovered. Yeah. There may or may not be an Aboriginal people live, living there. No way. Now, really? let's go... Let's go study American history. Oh, that's terrible. See, when I was in school, and it was a bit before you're in school, it, it was uh, we were taught, I guess, what the the classic sort of because obviously it being in Sydney, we were taught a lot of Sydney stuff like crossing the mountains and things like that. And there were the layers were added to that as time went on. Um, I don't know how they teach it now, but it's it's interesting that uh, it's interesting how history st- brings all the teaching of history brings back things that have been lost, you know, and and it's not it's not that homogenized story that you originally got when you were growing up. It's very laid, and there's all sorts of things going on, and it's that's why I love history. You'll learn so much about about cultures and and places and things like that. Yeah, well, when I was in high school, <clears throat> um, it was a lot better than when it was in primary school. Yeah. But uh, we mainly focused on American history and, mm. like, French history and stuff really? like that in um, high school. So Far out. Mm. That's terrible. Okay, so, so probably the most important question. Yes. Who are your halves? A- okay, so my halves, I went with uh, J- Jonathan Thurston at halfback. And I went with Laurie Daly at five eight. Oh, I went uh, Princey and Thurston in the halves. Oh, oh my goodness! You left out Daly. Yeah. Oh wow. Hey, I I I love him. Yeah. Great player, yeah. but he just looks too fucking weird to be playing for me. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? <laughs> he looks weird, dude. <laughs> It's nice. It's some massive hooter. <laughs> oh shit! That's it looks fun. like he's looking into my soul every time he looks at the camera. Oh, really? <laughs> that's, that's fucking hilarious. Oh shit! Like, okay, so JT, right? JT, it feels like amongst, I mean, amongst fans, he's got a special place. But it feels like amongst the indigenous community, he has a special place. Is that is that true or not? Yeah, I mean, everyone loves JT. Yeah. Um, and I think he's one of those players that are like Preston. Yeah. You know, one of those players who made, who don't look like a rugby league player. Mm-hmm. You know, he comes from Townsville, you know, and and he's up there playing footy with the best one, plays State of Origin, plays for Australia. And I think the cool thing about him was that he was the player that finally the thing of like you're too small. It's like shut up. Look at JT. Just shut up with that from finally. Um, Are you right? So, yeah, yeah. I'm just having a look at this list. Okay. Thinking about how great this footy. <laughs> so who were your prop forwards? Because I've I really struggled with my prop forwards. Because and keeping in mind I didn't pick who I know you're going to pick as one of the players because <laughs> I never saw him play. But I picked um, Andrew Fafita and Ryan James. Who did you have? Oh, that's good. I yeah. had um, George Rose yeah. and Arthur Beetson. Okay, yeah. I knew you'd have Artie. <laughs> but I have uh, I have Ryan James and Andrew Fafita on my bench. Okay. Yeah, it's like... I mean, obviously, Arthur, I got to meet Arthur Beetson. Very, very lucky to meet Arthur Beetson, and have only ever heard people say that when they met him, they felt special afterwards. Like he made everyone feel special. Did you ever get to meet him? No, um, but I met Wendell Saylor. Yeah. When I was like, oh, would have been about five or six. Mm-hmm. And I remember it like it happened yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah. Because he, he came to the... We're living in um, a small town um, in Queensland called Mitchell. 
Yeah. Mind you, it's, you know, it's probably 700 k's away from Brisbane yeah. and it's 100 k's away from the nearest city. Mm-hmm. And the, this is when he was playing for the Brisbane Broncos. Yeah. So the Broncos have come up to the small town in the middle of fucking nowhere to come see us kids on the footy oval. Mm. And I, I remember him handing out a bunch of minties as well. <laughs> so, yeah, I understand where people would come from because that's how I felt um, mm. meeting Wendell Saylor. That's awesome. And, like, what was it like for you to see a player like him? Like, I mean, back then he was at the top of his game. He was, he was the best winger in the world. What was it like for you to see somebody and it had such a high profile because uh, even now there's not a huge indigenous representation in the media and but here you've got wendell who was he was one of the top sports stars he's on all the tv shows that must have been awesome to have somebody that you could look at and say like he's representing us and he's showing us like we can do anything yeah and it was awesome um you know he's from queensland as well um, being able to just go, oh, there's someone, you know, who's got the same colour skin as I do, mm-hmm. making all this, mo- well, on my- when he came back to the NRL, I was like, yeah, he's making so much money. But as a kid, I didn't care how much money he was making. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I was a Bronco supporter right up until the, te- in- until the Titans came into the competition. Yeah. So... Even like there's someone on my on that on my team that I support that looks like me, yeah, yeah, that type of thing. It's it's very important, yeah. And just his media presence, um, especially when he came back to the NRL, mm-hmm. like you know how um, he's very charismatic. He had the media eating out of his hand whenever he wanted. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, it's really important that to see that not only can we play good football, but we can do other things well as as well yeah yeah it's it like and, and as you say like it, because he's so good in the media like he, at point times he's everywhere like he's on the radio and everything and uh yeah it's it's cool that the rugby league like business as you're talking about earlier it gives these opportunities to so many people from so many different backgrounds to get themselves out there and be examples for different people um, and it's like I said, I think that's something that Australian media is, for the most part, absolutely terrible at. And it's it's cool that rugby league is a vehicle that that can change through. Yeah, and you can see it. Um, like you think about it, a stolen generation mm. was own was only in the nineteen fifties. Mm. So you've got one or two generations apart from the stolen generation. So us blackfellas through the education system are only just catching up. Mm-hmm. So you got people like um, Stan, Stan Grant, who was on the, um, is it the Matty John show? That's on the Sunday nights. Yep. Yeah. Um, fantastic show. First time I've watched it, but yeah, yeah he's, um, he's a journalist, indigenous journalist, yeah. but you see people, you've got um, Miss Boney, on the uh, Channel 7 now, mm-hmm. um, and it's just us playing catch-up. We're finally in a place where we're starting to get those qualifications that um, other people were afforded before um, the stolen generation and things like that. Yeah, and I, I, I think sometimes people forget that there's there's a momentum that you almost need to get as a... almost within your family. Like, it, if... Sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And to to start off on the back foot like that, as you say, like you don't even know the steps you've got to make to get to where you get to, you, where you want to get to. And and it's it's cool that there's there's been changes in that, that way in Australia where it's like, you know, it, it, there is starting to get some sort of progress there. And I mean, like us, and I used to, I don't know if you remember on Twitter, I used to jump on Twitter and be like, man, our our TV stations are just like homogenized, the same faces and stuff like that. And it's mm. ridiculous because we're a multicultural country. I used to blow up about it all the time. And 
like now you're starting to see that change. And the thing I love about rugby league is that like you can get someone like a, a Laurie Daly or a Gordon Tallis or Wendell Saylor, um, you know, Jonathan Thurston, they, they, they're in our media, they're on the TV and stuff. And it's not a case of like, Oh, they're, they're trying to do something different. They're trying to mix it up. It's just JT. It's just Mal Meningo. And, and they're part of our game. It, it, they there's just this such this inclusiveness in our game and from a lot of the people that watch the game that I love in Australia I think it's it's brilliant yeah yeah and that's that's exactly what um, indigenous rounds all about mm. is bringing those issues and having the conversation like that so, so who's your second rowers um, my second rowers mm-hmm. um, my 11 and 12 are uh, Gordon Tallis and Sam Thiday. They're exactly mine. I knew you'd have that, Stu. <laughs> I just, I remember watching Origin and it was when Gordon Tallis grabbed Brett Hodgson. Yeah. And just dragged him across the 40 field and threw him out. You got no idea what that was like to watch as a New South Watchman. <laughs> it was like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> and the worst part is you couldn't do that in today's game. No, I don't think you could. Although I, I think technically it was legal. Like he didn't stop his momentum, but man, he did. He really have to ragdoll him for fifteen meters. <laughs> oh, one of my favourite Origin moments ever. Yeah. Um, Who would you have for hooker? Oh yeah, hooker. I had uh, Nathan Peets. Yeah, I had Peets as well. There's um, yeah, there's not been a lot of Indigenous hookers. Yeah, in I game. was. Yeah, I was. I found that weird, and I was like tossing up. I was tossing up actually putting Preston at hooker, but he was never really a hooker ever. Um, but yeah, I I thought that was kind of weird because it feels like a position where, you know, someone that's that's quick out of dummy half with good footwork, you'd think there'd be a lot more indigenous players that that have that skill set, and there just hasn't been that many of them for some reason. Yeah, I mean, um, I play hooker, but. You know, yeah. I, I'm not getting an NRL contract anytime soon. <laughs> um, but I, I think hook is one of those positions where you need, uh, I hate the term, but you really need an X factor. Yeah. You need the the right size, like Pete's a, is a good size, mm. but you need to be quick out of dummy half, like you said, as yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah. And you also need like a little bit of playmaking. Yeah. And I think Pete's is just that Venn diagram. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, a good way to put it. I've never thought of it like that, hey? Yeah, and it's. I think that's why a good hook is really hard to find. Yeah. And they're also pretty expensive. Yeah, they are. And I guess when you think about it, like, that's exactly where, like, someone like a uh, Cameron Smith is just, like, the perfect sort of size and everything for a modern-day hooker. Um, yeah, that's a really good way to put it, actually. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I was not enough of a playmaker to be a halfback, yeah. but I was too much of a half ma- uh, uh, playmaker to play prop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. You don't, you don't want to end up at hooker. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really enjoyed it when I did play. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Okay. I used to love um, playing hooker or yeah. coming off the bench as a utility yeah um i just love servicing other people besides myself <laughs> <laughs> i'm a nice guy i'm generous <laughs> oh shit all right so what uh i had way graham as my lock who was your lock uh david Fafita, the good one not the shit one <laughs> <laughs> wow it, like already even as a 20 year old you had him at lock yeah um I think I might be a bit biased because he's coming to oh, the yeah. Titans. I forgot about that, yeah. <laughs> but everything I've seen, yeah. and mind you, I didn't watch much footy last year because mm. um, I've just been busy working and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I only started watching this year after the restart. Yeah. But everything I've seen of him, um, whether it's just watching games on KO or something, he's he looks fair dinkum. Yeah, he definitely is. I, look, I was thinking about putting him in my team, and I thought I, I was just like, 
it was such a difficult decision. Like he's only just started, you know, and and I like if he had two more years under his belt, he definitely would have been on my team because like the the way he smashes through the line, like he's he he runs those hard lines like Gordon Tallis used to. But then he's got like the foot, the uh, top speed of like a centre. Like he just goes. Yeah, he, oh, I someone um, shared a clip on Twitter, and it was him making a break, and you know, fifty meters, he is running like I'm pretty sure you would need to be like a, a top speed winger to catch him. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's crazy, and it was funny last year. Um, France come over to Australia. It was like a French. They ended up saying it was like a French A team or something, but it was a lot of the French players. And they played against like an under-20s Australian team, and he was in it. And I thought, like, these poor French dudes, they think they're playing under-20s, and fucking David Fafita comes out. It's like we're playing like a destroyer of worlds. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to write all of my interchange because I've, I've yep. already spoken about most of them. Yep. But Ryan James... Yep. Great prospect. Sad to see him go to the Raiders. <laughs> um, again, Wendell Saylor, childhood hero. Yeah. Um, Andrew Fafita. He's just playing really good football at Sharks. Yep. And Sam Backow. Oh, I had Sam Backow win my side as a prop at one point, hey? Oh, uh, you speak about props, indigenous props. Yeah. Artie Beaton. Is the guy who makes you special? Yeah. Sam Backer is the guy you don't want to meet down the dark alley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Like they're such contrasting styles as well. It's like Arthur's got the you know the footwork. He's got some size. He's got the offload. And Sam Backer's just no nonsense. You know. Oh. Classic prop. Yeah. He he. Oh, I had him in my team, and I took him out for Ryan James. Hey, I wish I'd left him in now. Damn it. <laughs> Ah, okay. So now you, I named a player in my team you didn't name, and I'm I'm shocked you didn't name him. Okay, here we Cliffy, go. Cliffy Cliffy Lines. I was going back and forth. Yeah. With Bacco or Cliffy Lines. Yeah, yeah. And I just thought to myself because I, I I thought to myself if this game was going to come off, Cliffy Lines would be great. Yeah. He's he's very versatile, but Bacco gives you that just that strength you need to come through yeah 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 i get that and it's like and when like i did i was going to do my bench like a, a team bench and then i was like i can't leave out a bunch of these players because i had my bench was matty bowen who i consider one of the top 20 players i've ever seen mm. um and he's like he would have been fullback if greg inglis wasn't there which is kind of ridiculous um preston campbell had nathan blacklock and Cliffy Lines as my bench. But then I was like, I'm leaving out David Peachy. You know? Oh. Like, and that's heartbreaking to me. Yeah, then you also got guys like Greg Bird. Yep, yep. He, he was a great footballer. Yep. Um, Will Chambers. Mm -hmm. Luke Capewell. Or even though he didn't do that well, but he was still a good player. Yeah. Yeah, David Peachy. I can't believe we both left him off. And you know, the other player I really wanted to put in there was a St. George player from the 90s called Jeff Hardy, who was, he was like a no-nonsense back rower for the uh, for St. George. And just like one of those clubmen that, he was like a, there's a, there's a player like every club needs and it just brings everyone together. And I feel like Kevin Campion was another one of those players. There's just these players that bring everyone together, and he was one of them. And it was cool because I saw uh, Gordon Tallis on the weekend was talking about the Indigenous players that were at St. George, and he mentioned him, and it was like, oh, I'm so glad someone mentioned him because he's one of those players that's always stood out for me that I liked watching play. Yeah, I was about to say, oh, someone was just talking about him on the weekend, and, yeah, it was that Gordon Tallis video, which was, man, that, that was such a well-done video. Yeah. Oh, it was probably one of the best, camp, like best advertisements for the Indigenous round I've seen. Yeah, yeah. When I watched that, I was like, oh man, because like some of the Fox Sports ones, they're a bit, you know, like you're like, can you stop playing bloody all your old music over in the background? We get it, you're doing a voiceover, but that one 
was actually I watched that and I was like, oh man, they nailed this. This was perfect. Yeah, yeah, so perfect, so great, and it just shows how far we've come. Yeah, from like, you know, we used to have, I think it might have been about. 2008 2010 we had closed the gap yep round yeah and now it's just become its own full-fledged thing yeah so do you reckon like you feel like it's the nrl is doing the best it can with it because like i know there's a lot of theme rounds we have in the rugby league and some of them i feel like a a marketing like they're just trying to tick a marketing box you mean the marvel round wasn't marketing (laughs) seriously i've bought so much marvel shit because of it (laughs) but the the indigenous round actually feels like a genuine one which is so cool yeah it it, like there's still improvements to make yeah um like i sent an email off to the titans Mm. about their shit um presentation for indigenous round Mm -hmm. like they they spoke to ash taylor and tyrone peachy Mm -hmm. and they they spoke to tyrone peachy about his his uncle yeah not what it's like to be an nrl player yeah um i there's obviously still steps we can there's always room for improvement yeah but even um just sitting back and watching it, it it was i think um it's that t- it's the time to start finding those little things like that yeah. to um, start improving. Like if we look at the or the indigenous the fifteen indigenous jerseys mm-hmm. this year and the and, Raiders <laughs> and the Raiders that phoned it in. <laughs> and mind you, the Bulldogs one got a bit shitty because they had the stupid sticker yeah. of their new sponsor. Yeah. You could tell it was a sticker. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just looking at those jerseys, the opportunity players get to wear them and even celebrating other teams. Like, for myself, the best Indigenous jersey this year was the Dragons. Oh, really? So, I, my, the one I liked the look of the most was the Storm one. I like the Storm one, hey? Yeah, well, yeah, for me, I had, um, I can't remember now, I had Dragons was my yeah. number one. Uh-huh. Oh, I can't remember. I, Sharks, the Sharks was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think for Curveball, mm-hmm. um, I like the um, the referees jersey. Oh, man, I can't remember the refer- what the referees were wearing, hey? Yeah. It, oh, I'll it, have to look that up when we're done. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to send you. I'll try to send you a photo. But um, you know, just the way the jerseys were, it gave you the opportunity to celebrate um, other teams in the NRL as well. So it's not even about um, being Indigenous at your team; it's about NRL being Indigenous. So yeah, it's it's like I was looking at the Panthers one. The Panthers one was all right. Um, it reminded me a bit of their uh anzac day jersey though um but it was it was all right i liked it but yeah the one i liked the most was the storm because it had like the the instead of the v it had like the um i don't know if it's the right term for it but you know the dot painting is what's what do they call that uh dot painting okay i'm glad (laughs) but it had the dot painting and it was like in the shape of a a boomerang as the v and i there was just something about that and it's like it was yellow and it popped and i was like oh man that that looks awesome um i'm thinking about buying the the dragons indigenous jersey it's that good wow damn what then? What was the what was the titans one like i can't remember the Titans. it was the titans one was a quite um aquatic oh that's like it, right yeah it had a lot of blues whites and yellows in it yeah and yeah. it was um designed by an indigenous artist from coffs harbour okay mm. yeah but the, it, the nrl website's got um an article with all, photos of all the jerseys and the raiders yeah with their stories okay i'll have to have a look at that it's uh it, it's cool that like we're so lucky to have the oldest culture, the oldest living culture in the whole world is here. And to have that represented in something we all love, like rugby league, it's it's so, it's like incredible. 
Yeah, and <clears throat> rugby league is is its own community, mm. and that's what Aboriginal culture is all about: is being a community. So it's it's like I I felt like this is the the most well run um, Indigenous round I feel like I've seen. Um, and uh, yeah, I thought the presentations and stuff like that, and even um, the way that they were standing, like before the match, in like a boomerang shape. I, like I know it was only a small change from what they would normally have done, but there's just something cool about it. Like I liked it. Yeah, and it's it's the small changes that are nice, because um, if you go out of your way and make big changes, and you're going to get in people's faces. Yeah, it's yeah. it's got to be you know. Um, at their own pace sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, so tell us what you're thinking about the Titans in general this year. They got the big signing in David Fafida, which I was really happy about because I think that it signalled intent from them that they're looking to change things going forward. Um, it's been a rough few years for you, but do you sort of see a light at the end of the tunnel now? Yeah, and... Um... So my main review of the Titans this season has been our backs are in a good place. Yep. We're just lacking some pizzazz. Yeah. Around that that forward pack and that back rower. Yeah. And we've got a couple of great um front rowers coming from like Melbourne and and the Knights as well. Mm-hmm. Um who played really well um over the weekend. Yeah. Um, and then David Fafida, who there was a rumour that he was almost going to be back for Indigenous Round as well. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm really excited for them next year because I think the, um, the backs are in a good place. Ash Taylor, I think, um, is playing a lot better the mm-hmm. past maybe two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was, there was a game he went off... I think it was against the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, he went off, Ash Taylor went off with a concussion test. And it was like, I think there was only about maybe 20 minutes left in the game. Um, and Jamal Fogarty stepped up his game. And yeah. I think Jamal's confidence has led him to take more of the ball off Ash Taylor. Yeah. Which has given Ash Taylor more room to play. So I think our halves and our backs are looking really good. Like it was especially evident in the Roosters game. Yeah. Even though the Roosters got all the calls for them, all yeah. the fifty-fifty calls. Yeah. Um. At one point it was ridiculous. Yeah. Like it was, and I saw you blowing up on Twitter about it. And I was like, like everything went their way. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And like. We had trouble making those initial meters, like those first 20, 30 meters, because mm-hmm. we don't have like a big pack. Yeah, yeah. We've got a good pack, mm. but um, the way the NRL is now, you need big forwards mm-hmm. or forwards with good footwork to break the line and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But once we got within an attacking position, we were pretty good. Yeah, and like. It's interesting you said about Fogarty because he, uh, as you said, the, the more control he took has taken of the Titans, the better they've looked. Um, and it's taken a lot of pressure off Ash Taylor because I think in the in the past, it's just all been on Taylor and he hasn't handled it well. Um, that You know, the player I like on the Titans is uh, Kelly out in the centres. Like, he's just, I think he could be like one of the, you know how you get some players that are just natural try scorers. I think he could be one of those players if he gets the plays inside him that could get him good ball. Yeah, um, and another good player for us is um, Anthony Don. Mm. You can't fault him at all. No, he's been so consistent since starting with us, and um, he but. I've noticed recently he's not much of a ball runner. No. He hasn't got the footwork like most wingers do, but damn, is he a good finisher. Yeah, he's, he's just like, 
it, it's funny you say that he's just a finisher <laughs> like he doesn't get through heaps of work and stuff but if there's a try there and he's in the vicinity he can't finish it off that's yeah. one thing you can say about him and he's good in the air yeah yeah he's done he's good <laughs> uh it's like i hope i hope next year start to at least move up the ladder because it's it's been too long for the Titans and I think they had too many seasons where they just didn't do enough to improve and so it was so cool to see them get for feeder and uh, man it, 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 at least you've now got something you can start to build around and I think Holbrook I, I was skeptical of him being named that the coach but he has you can see improvement in them under him this year yeah. Yeah, and I don't know what um, what's changed between this year and last year, but um, definitely a lot of improvement. And who knows? I I mean, I don't think we're totally out of the top eight mathematically mm. yet, technically, which is the best kind of correct. <laughs> I, and I think if we can string enough games together, which is unlikely, I'll be honest there, but you know, Matham, we're not the Broncos. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. like the, the Broncos are fucking hopeless. Like you have moved beyond that now. Yeah, we have hope as Titans fans. Yeah, yeah. Broncos fans don't have that. Yeah, well, it must be nice for the Broncos to be a feeder team, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's like, um, well, we played you only a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And what you only beat us by eight. Yeah, and it was, I mean, it was a it was a hard win. Like, it yeah. wasn't, and look, like, you look at what we did to Manly last weekend during the Indigenous round, and, like, there's been some teams, and the Titans were one of them. Um, I can't remember who the other, there was an, oh, the Cowboys pushed just pretty hard, too. Um, and the, that cow, the Cowboys game, I think the scoreline really flattered us. But, yeah, the Titans were, were another one that really, they made the Panthers work for it which is what, what I want to see out of opposition teams to the Panthers right now because because the Panthers are such a young team, um, I would rather see them have to really work for wins rather than smashing teams every weekend and then you get to the finals, which is a grindy sort of football, and they've got to learn it there. Yeah, exactly. And it's um, people, the you know, the old footy phrases, there's games that you need to lose to win. Yeah. And I I thought that would have been us. I really thought it would have been us. Yeah, it it was a close one. It's I, I I've said this on the podcast that the Panthers are just I'm so impressed by how good they're playing this year. It's kind of um it's kind of shocking to me. It's it's like I I, I just can't believe it. I like I don't know. I can't even get into like anything real deep about it because I I really do. I watch them. I'm like I can't believe what they're doing right now. They're not giving up this lead. They're like they're not wilting. What's going on? <laughs> and and like uh your um your new winger uh Charlie Staines. Oh my god. <laughs> when after that first game and it's like hey, that's crazy. But then like on, on the weekend when he gets the ball, and you're like, wouldn't it be funny? And he does score. And then he gets the ball, and he scores again. And, like, I was just going nuts. I couldn't believe it. The only thing that could stop him was a bung hamstring. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's unfortunate. And hopefully he can, hopefully it's not too bad, and he can bounce back pretty quick. Yeah, fingers crossed. I, I think I saw two to four weeks from memory, which I, I feel like that's more than a low-grade hamstring injury, but... Um, that's what they were reporting it as anyway. Um, anyway, so it's been so awesome having you on. We'll have to get you on again soon. Um, where can people find you? Um, I basically, I actually take, do a lot of, uh, photography in my spare time. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have a Instagram account for it. Mm -hmm. It's, um, you can find me on Instagram at pending things, P E N D I N G things. Oh, that's a nice one to get. Yeah, um, it's actually funny because the nickname comes from um, when I was becoming a, learning how to DJ. Yeah, I had to come up with a name, yeah. and I couldn't think of anything, so I just called myself Pending, 
as in the name's <laughs> panting. And it's just it's just stuck. That is brilliant. Yeah. Ah, oh, that's so funny. Uh we'll put your we will put your link in the um podcast description as well for for pending things on Instagram. Um yeah. Oh man, that's a great name. You know yeah, sometimes you hear a name and you're like, man, I'll be shocked all right. Yeah, well thanks for having me. Uh I've enjoyed it. Um really good to see a place where you've spoken we've spoken about before, you know, while we were playing Destiny and how much you wanted to start one. Yeah. You being in your two hundred and twelfth episode. <laughs> man, and how many years ago was that where I was saying, Yeah, I want to do a podcast? Oh, that'd have to be Oh, I wasn't living in Toowoomba. Yeah. So it must have been early twenty fifteen, late twenty fourteen. Do you still play Destiny, by the way? Uh not since like March. Yeah, I'm the same, hey. Yeah, I uh, I, I play on PC now, and I, well, oh, yeah. I, also, I also own it on PS4. Yeah. Um, but oh, I just don't think the content's there for me at the moment, so... Yeah, I'm the same. I, I played it a little bit in March, like you did, and was just like, there's nothing grabbing me, so I, I went away from it. I, I know they've got a massive update they're coming out with at the end of the year, which they've said is going to change it in a big way, so that'll be interesting. But at the moment, I've been playing No Man's Sky, yeah, I, I'm playing um, <clears throat> I'm playing uh, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. Yeah, which is basically the Dragon Ball Z Dragon Ball Z series. Yeah, uh, with a few story tweaks. Yeah, and an RPG game, so it's pretty fun. Um, but uh, with the Destiny DLC, yeah, um, they're doing a thing where they're bringing old Destiny one content back. All right. So, like, Vault of Glass raids and stuff like that. Yeah. I think, um, I, if I'm remembering correctly, they're going to step away from, like, Destiny 2, Destiny 3 and all that. Yeah. And I think they're going to follow the WoW model. Yeah. Where it's the one game just forever ex- expanded upon. I think that's the way to do it, hey? Yeah, yeah. Like That's it, what I've always thought. Yeah, I, I thought it was... I thought when they they started Destiny 2, they should have had some of that old content in. And not that you want to play old content, but I think it would have fleshed it out a little bit. And there's there's things that, like, like remember uh, running around on Veen? People are going to be like, what the fuck are these two talking about? <laughs> like, when you'd run around, I like to run around on Venus in Destiny 1 and just gather stuff. And to not have those areas, and you know they're already got them somewhere... Like, I just thought it was a missed opportunity for him, hey? Yeah, well, I jumped into... When I first got my PS4... Yeah. Because um, I already owned Destiny 1 on PS4. Yeah. Um, The first thing I did was download Destiny, the original Destiny, and just went to Venus. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, and, and I scooted around um, where that massive temple thing was. Yep. And there was like... I, like you get a couple of public events there and stuff like that and just ran around gathering resources. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's weird how places that you like that don't actually exist and you th- like you, you've got memories of them. It's so weird. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's so weird. Yeah. Like I, I really do. It'd be cool to play some of the older stuff. I hope they bring, bring them. Uh, was it called the mythoclast back? I remember the guy. Uh. Man, I remember I, that thing. I got that just after it was nerfed. Oh, I, I, yeah, I got it well after it was nerfed as well. Yeah. But it was still so much fun. Yeah, even even nerfed, it was like, man, this thing must have been a killer. <laughs> Do you remember the, the uh, I think it was Destiny 1, where they had the uh, the Prison of Elders and there was the last boss? Uh, yep. What was his... Uh, what was his name? Skolas? Yes! Oh, that's the hardest thing I've ever done in Destiny. I have only ever been able to do it by, like, dodging it up. Oh, really? Titan, with Titan Bubbles. Oh, okay. Because you'd run in there on a solar week. Yeah. With Galahorn. Yeah. Um, 
with the solar burn, and then you get a bubble titan yeah. with weapons of light, yeah. and you all fire your Galahorn at him and destroy him in, like, 0.3 of a second. Oh, really? Yeah, but they changed... They set it up so there's no longer any burns. Oh, okay. Because they were yeah. like, fair enough, you're using solar. Instead of taking solar, we're just going to take them all. Oh, wow. That sucks. <laughs> See, I think sometimes when people find exploits like that, they should be like, look, you got us, and leave them in there. Because there's, like, some of those exploits were so, like, remember the bridge in... um Kronos. In Crota, yeah. And that was, like, everyone glitched that. And it wasn't like it was easy to do. Like, I think that was another one where I was like, man, I can't jump to the top. And I think you jumped to the top to glitch it out. Um, There's which bridge? Because there's two, the first one or the second one. The, oh, yeah, that's right. The second one. The second one. Yeah. So there was two ways to do it. Yeah. You could um, get the sword, then sword fly across but you had to follow a certain pat- pattern and land on a certain part of the rock yep or what you could do is if you had a self-res warlock is get one person across yeah everyone else um kills themselves yeah then you self-res as a warlock and it kills all the enemies on that side so That's you don't right. have to worry about them and then the other one at the first bridge was, instead of going through the maze, you could jump up to the top. Yeah. Because the, the, when you... I don't know if you've actually ever seen it, but that maze, if you ever find a map of it that's, like, coloured up... Yeah. It's amazing. Because yeah. where you end is basically just above where you start. Yeah, I, I used to be able to glitch the first one. In fact, I glitched the first one solo once because you know how people were starting to do that uh, Crow to Solo and I was like, man, I'm going to try this solo. Couldn't do it. But I was able, because I couldn't do the second bridge, but uh, I was able to glitch the first part because I had like a tanky Titan. Like by then I'd, I had, and that was towards the end of it, so I had all the shit. And so... Uh, I was able to glitch the first part, but yeah, this second one on the bridge and when people would go up the top and I think everyone would die and then they'd drop back down or something like that. And I, I, I mean, you you saw how bad I was at jumping on stuff. I was fucking... <laughs> I, was, I was like I was playing with my feet. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think the best I ever did was me and a friend two-manned it. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. Damn. Um... And it was, I think it took us, I think it only took us maybe three or four attempts yeah. on Crota to two-man it. Wow. And, it. and it was just getting the timing and pattern. Yeah. Because you've got to go invisible, run up, hit him, hit him with the sword, hit him again to go invisible again, then yeah. jump back. Yeah. But it was so much fun, like, having those exploits where it's like, you know when there was a there was the point where you could melt Crota really quickly, and I I always just felt like if you can get your timing and everything perfect, you should be rewarded with it by being able to melt him. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and and that's um completely different to the you know the Vault of Glass raid. Yeah, where the exploit was um you could knock him off the edge by using grenades of a certain type. Yeah, that's that's purely a mistake. Yeah, yeah. But when you're playing the game within the rules and you're not breaking anything, mm. I say it's fair game. But to be fair, on Bungie's defense, yeah. it takes them three years to fucking fix anything anyway. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, uh, they never fixed the original Rota, uh, Crota raid. Yeah. But when they brought it back, they added new mechanics. Yeah. Which required six people. I feel like it's harder to get six people too, eh? Oh, I've never raided in Destiny 2. Yeah, I, I, look, I did it I did it a couple of times. I did it for the first raid, and it was like, it, it was a case of like, uh, 
there were some dudes that I'd played with and they messaged me and said, we're ready to go right now. Are you? And I was like, yep. And I left whatever I was doing at the time and they basically dragged me through it. And, uh, because it's just, I don't know what it is. It just feels like, I don't know whether the, the, the playing base had changed or something, but it just seems like there was less of a community that was like, let's do raids, let's do rage. You know what I mean? Yeah, at the end of the day, I think it was mainly because the raids weren't rewarding enough. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, you got unique uh, weapons and armor from the raid, but it wasn't like in the original Destiny where you got perks that were, like, raid only. Like, I could go get the exact same set of armor. It just looks different. Yeah, and you know the other thing was, like, in the Destiny 1 raids, if someone got one of those, like the Mythic class, it was, and you saw it in the tower, you were like, holy shit, the, I, I know what that person's done. Or if you saw them with certain ornaments on, you'd be like, that person's done it, you know, the, the hardest thing in the game. Whereas that just hasn't been a part of Destiny 2. Yeah, and that's exactly right. Uh, um, but... It's still got some of the best gameplay I've like gunplay wise. Yeah. If I just want to pew pew stuff, yeah. it's my go to game. Yeah, it's it it normally is mine for, for that sort of game to um chuck on music or listen to a podcast and just turn my brain off and just shoot aliens. It's bloody fantastic. <laughs> it is, it is, mate, it is. All right. Well, I'll let you go. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on, and we'll get you back on again soon. Cool. No worries, mate, and absolutely thank you.